You need cooling, baby, I'm not fooling. Gonna send ya back to schoolin'. Just kidding. <laughs> you guys created a monster. Now I gotta figure out how to get the like guitar into the board and get rid of some of that staticky weird sound so it doesn't sound too thing. But it was goof, man. I was kind of messing around. I had a weird um situation going on. My board wasn't coming through my ears and I was messing with everything. And then I was looking at it. I'm going like, and I haven't looked it up. I'm going like, man. I could probably plug my guitar right into this and do something, but it doesn't sound right. It sounds like staticky and ah, I don't like it. But everybody's like, oh, dude, that was hysterical. You were singing. Well, now I'm playing and singing instead of the intro music because that's just how I roll, man. Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide, and we're here giving you those knowledge bombs like a B-52, I guess. Better than the B-17 that crashed in Connecticut up at Bradley's. Sorry to hear about that and the guys who passed away in it. That's a kind of a bad deal, man. It sucks to see like a great-looking World War II bomber kind of come in hard and crash. And then the people who passed away, you know, just not a cool look for anybody. But back in Connecticut, I happened to notice it, that at Bradley Airport. Hey, quick corrections, a couple things. I think I totally messed up the Mark Taylor story. I, I we, we kind of said when Mark said you need a better washing machine and the guy like got enraged and was like yelling, but I got a Maytag, but I got a Maytag. I don't remember if I said that I got a Maytag part, but that was like the best part of the story for us anyway, because during the whole week, excuse me, we were up there. Mark's like going, well, I got a Maytag. And that was like an inside joke for us was this whole Maytag thing. Also, another quick correction I got to give. Um, uh, Chet Samuelson's up there. We forgot to mention Chet. How the hell did we forget to mention Chet? Well, we were drinking. We were in the zone. And it's like who was in front of us at that point. And unfortunately for that final class, Chet couldn't make it. But Chet's a huge instrumental part of what we do up in Alaska He's a uh, former scout sniper. I believe he's a scout sniper instructor on the West Coast way back in the day because he was in about the same time as Mark, but just prior to me. I think when I got in, he was getting out or, you know, whatever the case may be. But sorry about that oversight, Chet. I mean, that was just a big screw up on our part. Um, Chet's huge for uh, what we do up there along with the other guys um, that we mentioned in the podcast. So I had to do a quick um shout out up there for that and i think we mentioned everybody like at the lodge and all the work they do but i definitely thanks for all the posts and feedback and the congrats on the episode number 200 i'm gonna do some of the podbean comments because you guys are just stacking them digging it man we're getting near the end of the year so keep on stacking them because we know podbean's gonna be looking at it man and we really want podbean to uh, acknowledge what you guys are all doing and the whole thing. But don't get me wrong, man. I'm going to figure out this whole guitar thing and make it sound good. I've been super busy getting my book put together. Uh, I got that book for Gun Digest coming on, and I'm assembling, like, all the articles, cleaning them up, putting it all together, figuring out where the images have to go. And I'm doing this one a little bit different, man. I don't know. I think I'll kind of like the format because it's a little bit about for at least the way I did it. I didn't want to just do a, you know, fundamentals of marksmanship, natural point of aim, a sight picture. Uh, then we got to breathe. Don't forget to breathe. And then you got trigger control and trigger control doesn't work without 
follow through. So we got to, so I didn't want to do that. So what I kind of did is I'm kind of doing a little bit of how Frank got there, a little bit of background on me growing up in Connecticut, what got me into shooting and all that kind of stuff. Then I do a little bit about the, you know, the technical boring part. And then I'm kind of going into the Marine Corps and, 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 you know, cause like you, you go to the classes and, you know, uh, we had like uh, Rod Steele up there, Alaskan uh, Alaskan State Trooper Rod Steele. He was up there, and we were talking. He's like, you know, hey, what's your background? How do you get into it? What's going on? And then, you know, you start talking to everybody in the class. Everybody wants to know, well, how did you get to where you are right now? Kind of thing. And you know, it, it's it, it's it's kind of telling your life story, and they want to know the background, the credentials, and all the stuff like that. So. I'm kind of putting that in the book. Originally, I was kind of like, you know, notes from the field and then this. And then I kind of like, well, a little bit of Frank because I am, you know, slightly unique in the situation when you look at my size. And that had a big role in the boot camp stories and things like that. I don't know if I ever told the boot camp story on the podcast. If I did, I'm going to if I did. Sorry, you can hear it again. But I think I'm going to do the boot camp story again. Just because, you know, I need something to talk about and um, I just don't want to get too deep into the weeds. There's a whole bunch of random stuff going on, but my head's just not in it. Like I said, I got Mile High's uh, final class of the season tomorrow. Going to do that. We got a full class, 13 people going on with it. So uh, looking forward to seeing everybody for that class. But here's the deal, man. So I I decide pretty early on that I'm going to go in the Marine Corps. You know, John Wayne, Sansa Iwo Jima, I'm like there, man. The Marine Corps is the one for me. And you got to understand, like prior to, you know, in high school, yada, 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 I'm all of just about five foot tall. You know, I'm lucky to weigh 100 pounds at this point. I mean, like lucky. So, you know, me, we used to have the recruiter come in. I went to a tech school. I went to a vocational technical school. I didn't go to a normal high school, but it seemed like, Every two weeks, there was a damn recruiter in the place. Um, They were constantly there. And so the Marine recruiter was actually a cool dude. He was force recon, the whole thing. And I'm like, yeah, man, I want to go in the Marines. So I'm doing the delayed entry. I'm signing up early. You know, I'm going to be in the Marine Corps before I technically get out of high school. And and, and that's kind of like the goal. I'm laser-focused Marines. And so... A couple years previously, so I signed up when I was 17. Well, when I was 16, uh, I I worked at my dad's shop. God, I worked at my dad's shop since I was 13. And my dad had two gas stations, okay? He had an Amoco and a Petrol Plus. So the Amoco had really expensive gas, and that was the main place. Had three bays there. And then he had next door connected to each other. He had a Petrol Plus, which also had three bays in it. That, that one was just straight up pumping gas and then spillover. He had at the time like 18 employees. And they mainly used that gas station as a body shop. We had a body man there. Um, as I told you guys, I found pictures of my uh, 68 Javelin with the black with flames and then the Dodge Demon with the black with flames. Really badass flames for the time. Uh, you know, flip-flop uh, licks and all that stuff. It was cool as shit. They used to shimmer as it went down the road. So my dad had a show car, okay, uh, 64 Nova. It was all tricked out, did all kinds of stuff. So at the time, he had a flatbed truck, and they were going to paint the truck to match the Nova. 
So I'm out at Petro Plus. I'm pumping gas back and forth. You know, I think I was wearing an Iron Maiden t-shirt at the time, if I remember right. And um, so they're they're guiding him in, and the truck's all taped up, right? So he had one of these freaking rocket scientists that worked for him. Not everybody was stellar, uh, you know, Bridgeport kind of thing. And so as I'm looking and, and walking in from the pumps, I can see the bed of the truck is going to hit the wall because the guy's guiding them in all messed up. So what I did is I walked over to the door of the truck and I'm like, hey, Len, you got to move to the right. You're going to hit the bed on the left here. And as I turned to walk away, the bed grabbed me because he was still rolling forward. And the bed grabbed me and pinned me against the wall and busted the artery in my leg, you know, like that main bad one, the femoral artery or whatever it's called, femoral, femoral, something like that. One of those words. People like to make fun of me because I speak funny. I do. But anyway, I busted it, man. Internal bleeding, no clue. But I walked away. I'm like, stop. I'm all crushed. I'm like, stop. Ah. And, 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 you know, it was like, shit, that's messed up. Yeah, scary, right? I'm like being pinned against the wall by a flatbed truck. So he backs it off a little bit. I walk away and I go in. Well, like minutes, not even a minute later, I'm in shock. I sit down. I turn white. Call the ambulance. Well, I got to get my artery fixed and replaced. Um cow artery in me or some pig or cow, whatever they replaced it with. But I was in intensive care for like two weeks. I was all messed up. So through that, I had to get like waivers from everybody just to get in the Marine Corps. Well, then you look at my size. I'm technically like just a half inch height wise over the bare minimum. But weight wise, I'm like a pound shy. I'm like, I'm a little bit light on the weight, you know. So recruiter, there's a typical recruiter thing. He's like, Hey, man, you know, uh, what's your favorite donut? And I'm like, oh, I love cinnamon donuts, Dunkin' Donuts, man. It's worth the trip, right? So I go over, and um, they meet me in the morning to go to MEPS, right? So he's got a dozen donuts there. So I got to eat the donuts on the ride to New Haven. Well, I'm going up to New Haven, and then when we go inside the building in the MEPS, they, they basically put me at the end of the line, And they're like, dude, don't come until we call you. We'll come get you. Your job is to stand right here at this water fountain and drink water until we say stop, which they didn't say stop till they came to get me because I had to make weight. You know what I mean? So unlike like a fighter, I had to go the other direction. I had to get heavier. So I made it by like a half an inch and one pound to get in the Marine Corps. Well, then fast forward, uh, you know, that was, um, in the beginning, well, then I'm going to go in August. I'm going to, so I, I went from, you know, June graduation in high school. July, I went to Florida, visit some relatives, figured a last little hoo In August, I'm going to boot camp. So you get to boot camp, right? And, I, and I'm pretty sure I told this story, but I'm telling it again. Maybe I'll tell it funnier this time. Who knows, you know? So anyway, I go in and... You're there the first day, and I got my my uh, assignment. So I'm going to 3rd Battalion, 3090 Hotel Company. 3rd Battalion's the kick-ass battalion. Anybody ever went to Paris Island? 3rd Herd, man. Friggin' rocks. All you other guys are posers. <laughs> but you're not as bad as Hollywood Marines, so get over it. Anyway, <laughs> so... I go in, I'm lined up, and all the series are lined up. Everybody's getting their units, and your senior and junior drill instructors are coming through, and they're doing that typical steers and queers thing. Okay, so if you're a new listener, like I said, I'm pretty sure I told this story. So they're coming down the line, and they're doing the steers and queers, man. And I'm like, so 
uh, staff sergeant comes up and he's like, what the hell? Blah, 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 blah. He's yelling at me. He's like, steers and queers, steers and queers. What are you doing in my Marine Corps? And he's like, how tall are you? And I'm like, I'm five foot two. Like I added a half an inch as if it matter, right? I'm like five foot two. And they're like, blah, these recruiters are scumbags. I hate you all. Blah, 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 blah. You're out of my Marine Corps. And I'm like, what? And at this point, I kind of realize he's serious because he doesn't go to the next guy and start over. He goes where everybody else is standing like in charge, like the main guys. And he's going to get the company gunny because they're going to kick me out. And I'm like, shit, I just got here. I didn't even do nothing. I'm just standing on the footprints kind of thing. So, you know, he goes over, gets the company gunny. And I'm like, oh, man, here he comes. So the two of them come back. And the company gunny's like, looks at me, and he has this total disapproval look on his face. And of course, first thing he says is, How tall are you? And I said, Well, I'm five foot two. And he starts, Blah, 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 blah. Recruiters are scumbags. We can't have this. You're not even going to fit in a uniform. Bing, 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 bang. I, you know, you're out. And I'm like, Oh, damn, I didn't even do nothing. So as he says, You're out, he turns to walk towards the officers. Well, when this happens and I realize, like, shit, this just started. I didn't even do anything yet. What am I going to do? I get yanked out of line by the scruff of my neck, like from the collar. Like somebody launches me off the ground. And it's a drill instructor from India Company behind me. You know, you're cocked and locked down the line and everything. You're not looking around. So you really have no, like, awareness of what's happening around you. But behind me was another series. And so this drill instructor grabs me by the scruff, lifts me and pulls me out of line. And he's standing there like, you know, looking down nose to nose, kind of got the brim right over the top of my head. And he's like, how tall are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm five foot two. And he's like, no, how tall are you? Well, at this point, they're walking back and they're getting ready to kick me out. And uh, I'm like, man, I don't know what you want. I'm five foot two. And he turns and he looks and he sees them coming back and he goes, no. You're seven foot six and the meanest motherfucker on the island. And he pushes me back in line. So then I'm standing there and like, you know, this was like 10 people. When he, when he shoves me back in line, they're like not even 10 people in front of me. So they come walking right over to me and the officer, first thing he says is, son, how tall are you? He says, sir, I'm seven foot six and the meanest motherfucker on the island. He's like, you can stay. But then after that, it was like trouble, drama. I had to eat double rations. I had to do push-ups when everybody else did push-ups. So it became this whole thing. So I'm like including stories like that in between all the technical stuff. So it's just not this dry, blah, 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 blah kind of deal. So I got like 10 days to finish it up, uh, 12 days. I got 12 days to finish it up. So I'm fine-tuning the stories, putting in the things, figuring out where the images got to go. So I'm working pretty hard on all that stuff. So my mind's not really in like messing around and doing all this. But I'm going to go to the Podbean app. And let's go to some of your comments, man. I'm going to see if I can get down below the, um, uh, let's see, below the 200 episodes ones and see, and, and we'll go where we are. Uh, here we go. We're getting up there. We're getting up there. Uh, boom. Another great podcast. Uh, missed the last reunion. Wait, let's go. Let's go. One more. I'm going to go one more. All right. So here we go. So I'm going to start with the Kalen stuff. All right. So um, this is the gear. When I asked the gear correct uh, question, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Give me a second. Um... Oh, so, okay, I'll start here with Nate, man. Uh, I think this is pretty close to where I left off. Somebody said, I think I answered this. Have you ever thought about Thunder Valley? 
for class. No, and I said, we're not doing it. So then the next one, Nate. Frank, I was the one that won the production division in 2014. They canceled the pre the production after that for a couple of years or something. I guess the $2,000 production rifles now justify having the division again. But they treated Nate pretty scumbaggy, and I know that. So shout out to Nate um, in that. And then uh, Robot Doc, what's he saying? Uh, have you ever thought about not? And then Robot Doc, he's answering the Thunder Valley guy, Joker. Not saying I would condone it, but I would surely understand it. Uh, and he's talking about something, um, blah, blah, blah. Robot Doc, uh, that was supposed to go to, oh, he was answering somebody else. He answered the wrong guy. So anyway, um, catching up on the last two podcasts, as for Mike, we might have to ask Adam if he can come out and play. I know, right? What's Mike's deal, man? I don't know. I mean, I haven't moved anywhere. Mike's just kind of busy or something, but Mike's blowing us off. I'll see Mike tomorrow. So I'll tell him, man. Everybody on the podcast is like, why are you ghosting us, dude? Mike's ghosting us, man. Uh, learn something every time. Thanks, Semptify. Um, that was 0530, somebody or other. Now this other guy, the uh, Quiznit Hold Heater Dash, whatever this dude, your names are. You got to give me simple names. Which Rick Sales, man, Alaska ATV, who posts on the podcast. This dude knows how to do it. He walks up to me at the reunion and prior to the uh, PR2 class. He knows that I don't remember people's names for shit. And he's like, hey, Frank, Rick Sales, Alaska ATV, good to see you again. And it's great because it reminds me who you are. Then after that, I won't forget, you know, but I always forget the first time. So anyway, Frank just got back from a two-week tour around Alaska, saw the lodge and the fire damage, and finally put two and two together that it was the place you've been talking about. Man, that fire was close to them. Sounds like they really put out the stops for the firefighters in the community. Um, can't wait to take a full class. Alaska was beautiful. Yeah, man, the Sheep Creek, the, the place up the road burned. It was a weird burn pattern, too. So, um, And here's Rick Giles right here, next post. Rick's always posting. Uh, great podcast. See you at the Lodge reunion this week. I saw Rick. And then he posts again, up and coming. I see the 22 ELR will be the next big thing in sports. Oh, so I asked about what's going to happen later or what we're looking at. Um, 22 ELR is a big thing. Yeah, I think it is. I, I, I tend to agree because you can use shorter ranges in the difficulty levels pretty similar. All right, so number one, he has guns and equipment that will continue to be developed just for the specialized sport. Two, the events and the competitors to be developed. And because not many areas in the countries can support a 1,000-yard plus, 22 ELR can be shot almost anywhere. He's right. 22 is, like, definitely one of the up-and-coming things. Um, the next level of training after the PO2 class may be a two-day about wind. Yeah, but we can't do wind up there. We talked about that with Rick. There is no real wind in Alaska at that range. There's nothing we can do about it. So it just sucks. Um, we're working on stuff, man. We'll, we'll get you up and going. Uh, gear for 2019. This is Shooter's uh, Sniper's Hide Cup. Shooter SHC. I'm calling it Sniper's Hide Cup. It could be your initials for all I know. Um, gear for 2018. Uh, budget end and normal folks. Uh, the new MC3 stocks from McMillan. Pretty darn impressive. Taking um, humble rifles and transforming them into screws for around 300 bucks. Yeah, low-cost stocks, man. You look at the McMillan, that MC3. You look at the KRG Bravos. I mean, even look at the KDEX Strike Nuke chassis. You know what I mean? $599. Um, and again, I'm working on that group buy. It's probably going to drop in a couple days. So, 
Uh, Inhuman. Been catching up, Frank. Great episodes. Like the episode of Kalen. I dig the Kalen episodes. I got to get a hold of Phil after this class and see if Phil wants to come on and talk about his monster lake. Um, so I'll get a hold of him. Last Sniper's Hide Cup in Colorado with all the rain, I asked you to put me in a squad where we'd learn the most. You knocked it out of the park putting me with in Kalen's squad all weekend with Brian Whalen and some other great guys who put on a clinic. Keep on keeping on. So basically, he asked me to put him in a squad where we'd learn, and I gave him a squad with Kalen and Brian Whalen. Great little deal right there. Here's uh, Kizawat Haterox. Holy shit, sounds incredible. Yep, he's talking to in a human. And then Hendricks, uh, for the 2019 gear and review, I would say Hornaday version of the Kestrel. It's a good choice because it's 250 bucks cheaper, um, just because it's much cheaper than the applied ballistic version. That's what I just said. Stop copying me, man. Brian Marks, uh, hey, Frank, what do you think of the Howa 1500? I did a great review on the Howa 1500. I think it's a good budget build for guys. I have a three. See, this is. The, I'm going to finish reading this and then I'm going to talk to you about it. Okay. I have a 308 and a 6.5 Creedmoor heavy barrel, both and shoot half inch at 100 yards. They come factory with nice two stage triggers. They have different options with KRG Bravo or Oryx around $1,100. When someone asks you, they walk up to you all the time in class, what do you think of how a 1500? It's because they got one <laughs> almost every time. So you almost, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to insult somebody who just posted, and I hate it, but somebody's going to ask me when I move forward here about a piece of gear that I'm not a fan of, and um, e-blah, I don't know if it's going to go well, but they always ask you about a piece of gear they own. So at times, I'm kind of like, I try to be political when I don't want to be political, but the Hawa, I will say, I have zero drama with the Hawa. Um, and then uh, Blade Maker there. Instead of everyone getting a boner for what's hot gear, why aren't the businesses with killer customer service being recognized? Yeah, that should be a part of it because you can get a really good piece of gear and then basically blow it. Uh, and then Blade Maker comes back. And how about a shout out for Tucker's Good Guys with Guns charity donation? Tucker does a lot of stuff on um Sniper's hide and he does charities and gives aways and things like that. And he has a good guys with gun charity. Chuck Tucker's like my technical mod. Um, big shout out to my mods, technical, you know, those guys, they do a lot unsung stuff. Frank, giveaway, uh, Frank, a giveaway is up to you for me. I want uh, to buy one of your last 20 tumblers, throw in a couple of your stickers. Yeah, I know, Robot Doc. I just been traveling and I know I got class, so I'll do it this coming week. And I'll get you a tumbler and all that stuff, and I'll throw in stickers for you. I'm going to do it. It's just with the travel, it's like, blah, blah, blah. As it is, I got this box of Night Force. That got to go back to them. They asked for some of their scopes back, so they're all going back. I did the Schmitz a couple weeks ago, so I, I try to do my shipping in spurts. Um, Sean, what's he saying? Another great podcast. Going to miss the reunion. We missed you, Sean. It would have been fun. Jimmy D, Jimmy D says, gear review, he wants to, uh, Thunderbeast Bipod. Thunderbeast Bipod and the Calf Bipod from Atlas, two great products, you know what I mean? I really dig the changes they made to the Cal, and I really dig the Thunderbeast Bipod. Uh, I think this is Bruno, Hypertex, right? Probably Bruno. Uh, even though everyone cannot utilize it every day, but the Charlie Tarak is my choice. I talked about the Charlie Tarak before. It's truly flipping a switch. He's 100% right. If you're a full-blown ELR guy, the Charlie Tarak is probably one of the cheapest things you can get to make it really good. Um, oh, 
Here's a good one. Renegade. Hey, Frank, any updates on the Colorado tripod? Yes. I saw the prototype. Yes. I got updates. They called me today. I got to call them back, but I'm in the class. But they have a working prototype ready to roll. I think you guys might like it. Um, 800 horsepower. Sunday, Sunday. Hey, Frank, it's Eddie from last year's Mile High August class. Did you ever do an article on hunting rifles with the turreted scopes that you were going to use James with his 270 as an example? Thanks for your time. Yes, Eddie, I did. He did get put into the article. It's probably online now because those go into print first and then like three months after the fact or so, they're online. So you should be able to see it, but I did do it. And I did use uh, that image I took of... um of uh with James's uh of James with his rifle. So Tika 270, he he ended up having a really successful hunt after that and he was one of the guys that said I missed the chip shot, took the class and then tripled his range and got a really killer uh really killer trophy out of that. Um what is this guy Cumberscat? Shout out to Frank and Mike. Awesome class last week in Colorado. Learned a lot. Fundamentals are so important. Really like the wind and reticle exercise. Thanks. Matt, too. Matt was a hammer, man. Both Matt 1 and Matt 2. But Matt 2 shined as a definite hammer in that class. The guy, the, he had an um, AX. Guy shot really, really well. Um, you know, a, a dream student. Definitely shot excellent. Ryan Jesus there. Throwing out a comment, Frank. Do you see a lot of bears there in Alaska? I've only ever seen one bear. It was the little yearling grizzly that came on the range at about 65 yards while we were at lunch. We were basically sitting around having lunch, and 65 yards out on the 100-yard part, a little grizzly came over the berm, stood there and saw everybody and was like, oh, shit, there's people, and took off running down the rail. That was the only time I've seen a deer, or not deer, a beer. I've seen tons of moose, but that's my first bear. Um, Burfest, Beer Fest. I'm going to call you Beer Fest. Frank, what's your thought on the new ACE system by Wolf Precision? Do you see any benefits to the system? Would the barrel just need a replacement after burned out? This is that chamber, right? Uh, Jamie at Wolf, I think, is what he's talking about. I don't know if it's taken on, but what it's basically doing is you thread sort of an extension into your Remington 700 action, and then you can take off the barrel easier. I don't know how I would feel about that one versus the switch lug. Jamie in the past had talked to me several times about getting me one to try it. Never did, and I know he's been messing with this thing for probably six years now, but um, I haven't seen it in person, so I can't say. Switch lugs in American, uh, Ted's American uh, Rifle Company. I've seen his, but I have not seen this one. Um, what? No singing? I sang for you, dude. Um, so uh, I laughed so hard. See, this this creates a monster when people are like telling me they dig it. Complimenting and laughing me will just get you more of it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so that's how that goes. Uh, Frank, make it shooting great again. Yes, I am. Um, 200 episode Alaska ATV. Rick's doing a monster shout out. I'm not going to read it all, but again, thanks Rick for coming. And if you read the, uh, the comments and pod being Rick's comment, it's just really, um, it's a special comment. It's a big, long one. He does kind of a, um, a recap because he's been to our PR one PR two. He's taking classes in Alaska. He's on the website. He's on Facebook. Rick just follows everything. 
Uh, Blade Maker, congrats on 200. Uh, told that guy's wife her washing machine was tougher than her husband. I know, right? Like I said, I think I messed it up. But he's like, I have a Maytag. I have a Maytag. And Mark just made it worse. It was pretty funny as hell. Uh, Gary, congrats on 200. Thanks, Gary. Robot Doc shot Altus a while back when it was K&M. Excellent range. I'm definitely going to try and make a class with you all. Altus is a great facility, man, and, and I'm looking forward to doing it. I think it's going to give us a lot of flexibility to do sort of an advanced class. We'll do the tread proof, and then we'll jump over to Altus, and we'll be able to do a little bit more uh, over at Altus. I think you're going to see that class is going to be unique just because of what that facility is. Andrew, Andrew, what do you got? I'm glad you mentioned the Sig Tango 6s and the newer 4s tracking well. Been thinking of picking one up with the Dev L, yep. And although uh, it's batch sample, it's good data. Here's the thing, man. Mark made the comment because we've had Sigs rolling through in Alaska and we're keeping um, we're keeping score of when we do whenever we do a PR2 now from this year moving forward. We're writing down and keeping track of all the scopes we test when we box test stuff or tall target test, right? And the SIGs have been 100% across the board. I'm running the SIG uh, Tango 6 to 5 to 30. I like it. I think it's got a great picture to it. It's a good scope. It's a good looking scope. So the SIGs have been working good, man. So definitely. Um, speaking of tracking and to get into this, Mark had a meeting with the Leopold rep today. Because they saw that, you know, we were kind of getting down on the Mark IVs that we noticed. And, man, they just, uh, we got to we gotta talk to them, you know what I mean? A little bit beyond because there's some, mis- there's some stuff they don't quite understand, you know. Um, uh, there was an, an implication that, you know, you can almost fix an error in tracking with a BC change. And we left our heads, kind of scratching our heads. There's some, there's some disconnect going on. And so, um, there, there's, a, there's. A potential we might find ourselves at Leopold proper. I've been there once before, but I think Mark and I might have to travel to Portland, to Beaverton there, and um, take a look. Another uh, congrats on the 200th episodes. Just as you discussed, I have a lot more confidence. Oh, so um, one of the guys in the class, um, Matt one, Matt one of the class. We had Matt two, Matt one now. Um, he's saying uh, how much confidence with the Battlefield Zero exercise. It's funny how many guys shot better using the reticle during that. Shout out to Mike and Frank for a great class. Matt won. Yep, thanks, Matt won. You were in another hammer, as I mentioned. And then he follows up, and he goes, did you guys do any tracking test on the zero compromise? Yes, I did. If you go to my YouTube channel, there is an opening first look review of the zero compromise that includes a tracking test and through the scope. So if you're interested in the zero compromise... Definitely go on my YouTube channel. There is a video. I have both right now, and I need to do a second part to it to f- include the 4 to 20. The 4 to 20, I really dig a lot just because size, package, the whole thing. The 4 to 20 has been on my bolt action Valkyrie build from the beginning. So definitely a fan of the uh, the, the Zero Compromise. Commenting from Australia just to help with the numbers. Thanks, uh, Chris. Neville, Chris Neville, man, that's kind of like different than what was that dude's name? You, what was your um, what was your Robin Hood guy's name? The one that wore armor. He created like a, a suit of armor and was going to Robin Banks. He had a movie about him. That dude's all famous and stuff, and I can't think of his name. I'm spacing on him right now. The 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 gentleman robber guy. Uh, let's see. You guys will all yell it at me, and and then I'll remember as soon as I turn the uh, computer off. 
Uh, it was an honor to shoot alongside the LEO this weekend. I dabbled a few shooting sports and never found better shooting community like the Long Range Precision guys. Long Range Precision is pretty shit hot. Uh, thanks for all you have done. That was broker j- Broken Joke or Broke Joke. Um, Bobby, Bobby Gonzo. Uh, can't believe I listened to all 200 episodes. I can't, Bobby. I'm just that good. Uh, <laughs> there it goes. That deserved that. KCH, congrats on the big 200. Thanks a lot. Um, I'm hearing release could be October on Trigger Text Triggers. I haven't heard. We'll have to ask Mike tomorrow. Mike, being a retailer, would probably hear before I would. Uh, Ryan Bowers, Jesus. I've listened to all 200 also. Every time I go shooting, I hear Frank's voice in my head reminding me of the fundamentals. Press the trigger to the rear. Press, press, break, and freeze. All right, so let's see. That's Mark. Um, oh, and I'm not going to listen to Mark. Uh, B Rising MG, something like that. What? One of the Alaska PO2 shooters, a pilot, forgot he had to fly. Yes, that is true. <laughs> a PR2 student was a pilot who forget who forgot he had to go fly. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, thoughts on the new Night Force NX8 series? Yeah, man, I like them. I'm a Night Force fan, although I think I fell out of favor with them. Uh, got replaced by the PRS guys. But, yes, I'm an NX8 fan. Um, I think they're good scopes. I think all their stuff. And I think I like, like, we, we recommend the SHV. If you go to Alaska, you'll see any build Mark had any input in usually has an SHV on it for the budget builds. And I think the Mark 8 just adds another layer of a a quality scope at a good price. So I'm definitely behind their uh, NX8 series. KCH, are you planning a hands-on the new uh, Matrix chassis MPA? No, I haven't talked to Phil or anything, and I didn't go to the Precision Rifle Expo. Maybe Mile High will have one, and I'll go touch. I like what they did with the back end of it. That's all I really looked at, um, but I didn't pay a whole lot of attention. I, I'm, like I said, I'm kind of falling out of the whole idea of building something around a PRS stage. But, I mean, the MPA chassis is a great chassis. Although I'm going to tell Phil, and I argued with you and yelled at you, and I should have took a friggin' picture of it. We had guys with the chassis in class. The, red, the, the level in the stock is not matching the levels on the rifles. So take it from what it's worth. The first time I ever met Phil Cashin, K&M Match, Core, whatever it was, we were all at a giant table at Hooters in Crestview, Florida, and I went on him about the bullshit of having a level in the stock like that. And he argued with me for an hour about it. And I should have took a friggin' picture of the one we had on the line where the level in the stock doesn't match up to level in the uh, damn uh, on the scope. It was a spur. Like, if you look at the spur level and his level, they don't match. Go figure, right? Everything I've been telling you about. And when, when you see it in person, it's like, see? And they all yell at me and argue with me. And everybody hates me because I call it like I see it. But then, what the frig? It's right there in front of you. And it don't match. The little peanut thing they did or little BB or whatever the hell. The, the bean. Army dog. Uh, yeah, he said to kind of disregard. Pint size game changer. What's your take on this? I love the pint size game changer. And a lot of guys are using them as rear bags too. So, they're using that as a rear bag. And then, they're using it for the barricades and the stuff when they don't need the rear bag. I like the pint size, and I got to use a pint size with the sticky stuff, and that works really good too. So it could be the um, 
It could be the uh, wax paper one or the canvas wax bag version, which is the one that I had until I gave it to the Army guys. Hey, Army guys, you guys took my bag. Uh, I'll let you have it, but you guys took it. So just so you know, when you when you left the gathering and you had that pint-sized game changer, that was mine. But I didn't have my name on it. So, you know, loser loses. It's what I get for not putting my name on the damn thing. But when I came over and shot that um, with the Valkyrie with y'all, I left it sitting there, and then we packed up. I lost my glasses, too, that day. Um, uh, basically, I don't want an Army Doc. Great podcast. Nick, thanks, Nick. Please disregard anything I post when drinking. I know I feel the same way, Army Dog. That's why I'm not reading your stuff. All right, last comment. Hey, Frank, bought a budget-friendly USO TS-20X with JVCR reticle at the Precision Rifle Expo for my production class rifle. Have you done any testing with this scope yet? P.S. Singing the intro is hilarious. Dude, I hate to burst your bubble. It's crap. It's a Chinese scope, man. It's not even Japanese. It's Chinese. U.S. Optics, it's an OEM. They make it for them. And uh, I hate that U.S. Optics is going. There's a big thing on Facebook calling it TS for like you can fill in the blanks. What would be total, uh, right? Because people are like, why would a company called U.S. Optics have a specced out scope from a Chinese facility? It's like, dudes, no, you're U.S. Optics. If you're going to do anything, do like you usually do. Buy the internals, put it in your wrapper or something, but man, that's like that was a bad idea if you ask me that you guys um went and went that direction. You know, I don't I don't think it's too cool. But anyway, that's the articles. I got Fuzz crying over there because I, I locked him out of the room. I locked him out of here because he was all over me. Fuzz was bugging me all day because I was working hard. So hey, I, I want to thank everybody um again for commenting. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank you all for the two hundredth episode. Um, like I said, it was, a, it was a little bit weird being up in Alaska that way and doing it. Um, I'll try to get Mike on. I'll talk to him tomorrow, and I'll, I'll try to get him up and on uh, the podcast so he can stop ghosting us and, and being an absentee uh, podcast member because he disappeared with all of us. But uh, overall, man, um, I got a bunch of, oh, a couple things to announce that I'm looking at. Like I talked about the, the written scope, the RIT, uh, what is it? R-I-T-O-N, right? So I got that guy. That's a low-budget scope. But I also just got Monday the Brownells match uh, match precision optic. I got the 3 to 18 Brownells scope. And out of the box, it's a pretty darn nice scope. I posted some images on Facebook. Or not Facebook, on Sniper Side. I'm not even near Facebook. Shut up, Fuzz. I'll be back in a minute. So um, the uh, match precision optic from Brownells with like the forever guarantee, there is a decent budget scope for you guys. I was kind of impressed when I opened the box and it's a crispy pr- uh, image. It's got a decent reticle. They sort of doubled it up a little bit in a weird way, but it's not a bad reticle at all. It's got an open center to it, uh, you know, so I'm dealing with that. So I'm going to be playing with a lot of budget optics um, coming up forward when we go on and I'm going to. And like I said, I sent all these night forces going back, so I yanked like five night forces off some of my rifles. And so I'll end up putting these budget optics on to knock out the review. So my main kind of go-tos are gone. And um, I'm going to end up talking with this. Here it is. I got the Brownells sitting right here. Stop whining, little man. Um, so what it is is the 3 to 18 by 50 match precision optic, premium optics made in Japan. Japan, guys. Um, 
precise front focal plane, non-obscuring milling reticle, N-O-M-R, pretty fancy, uh, resettable zero, zero stop, and parallax, capped windage knob, shockproof, waterproof, fogproof, includes throw lever, sunshade, and lens covers and lens cloth. Bam, man, that's all kinds of stuff. Hang on, let me open the door for Fuzz because he's crying away. So give me two seconds, guys. Sorry, man. Fuzz was like whining at the door and he's getting a little there. Blah, blah, blah. He's all whining. Let me in. Let me in. I want. There he goes, shaking Fuzz. Now he's all shaking and he's all hot. Because he's like, man, you're doing this too late. Usually you do it in the morning and now you're doing it in the afternoon and in the, and I want to do my stuff, not your stuff. stuff. But um, I got the, the Brownell scope. I got this written um scope, written, written. I'm not quite sure how he's pronouncing it, but uh, R I T O N. And, and these are good scopes within their budget class. So I'm going to be dealing with them, at least initial first looks. You know, I mounted track testing them and anything like that. That's coming next. So, um, you know, be on the lookout for that kind of thing. But uh, definitely thanks for listening to the podcast and being part of it. Send your questions in, your comments in. I'm going to be back on the bandwagon come Monday after this class. Give you a little wrap up, some lessons learned. Talk a little bit more about what's going on with the book. And what's what's happening with that? Otherwise, I can't think of too much other to jump on. We some really good. There's a uh, one quick note, man. Going to Sniper's Hide forum, and this guy does this graphic recoil management videos. He posted part one and part two, and they're really good from an engineering standpoint. And he's showing some like with diagrams and in di- some other things he's showing why the rifles jump and hop around and what's going on and basically you know not to get too fine a point on it he's validating everything we talk about with recoil management i mean we set this standard we mentioned it this came from rifles only when you look at straight behind the rifle managing recoil loading the bipod that's a rifles only thing it was invented there to the degree we talk about it now. Now, I'm sure just because of dual track parallel, you know, education kind of thing that somebody did it alongside us. But we were the first ones to bring it to the public, to teach it, to talk about it, to do all that stuff. And this guy's video just puts a huge exclamation point with a magnifying glass to break down what's going on. He talks about resistance, recoil, all these different things. Uh, you know, physics. He's coming at it from an engineer standpoint. And so it's really great video. So if you go into Sniper's Hide Forum, look up the the recent recoil management with these two videos. I think you guys will be really impressed. Also, I published an article on the front page this week from Mark Taylor, Alaska Precision Rifle, on looking at errors as an accumulative thing, how errors stack up grow add to you know all that kind of stuff and and so you'll definitely um get something it's a short easy to read article and i think you'll dig it but um mark's starting to contribute to the site and doing some stuff he also did some weaponized math in reverse so we have new multiples the weaponized math is working just fantastic for everybody i have had people reach out to me and have said hey i'm going to try this in my class and i'm going to do this and do that and everybody's come back and it's within a tenth. You know what I mean? This weaponized math. Think about this. And you might be seeing some other stuff happening. But think about this with, with, with it. You don't need anything but one yard lines dope. With Off of your 300 yard drop, 
we can then walk you out and give you starting tri-dope. And if you wanted to true it and tweak it, it's just a change of the number. It works without knowing what bullet, what this, what scope. You don't need, you know, those 10 and 12 inputs. You only need one input. And then as it is, and I talked about here versus there and, and all that, you can tweak the X factor number a little bit, but we also have it in reverse now. So if you have 600 yard drop, you can back into the closer numbers and then you can work it out. But we're, we're really looking at um, pushing this weaponized math to another level and making it simplified. I think you guys are going to like what we're going to do over the winter with the weaponized math because it works, man. With, with you know, sans ballistic calculator in a way, Shoot a yard line, get the number, put it into the calculations, and now you got your dope, and it's good. And, and you know, you don't have to tweak true this, that, what's your bullet length, what's your DC, what's that. You don't need any of it. You just need to step out on the line, shoot a group at 300, find the group center, figure out what the drop is, point of aim, point of impact, put it in, and then do the math. You're done. That's all you need. Basically, go shoot a yard line, put it in the calculator, do the math, you're done. And it's going to be within a tenth. And honestly, I don't know any target out there that can absorb two to three, if not more, tenths of error in its elevation for size of these plates. You know what I mean? Even if you're shooting a one-minute plate at a given yard line, that's still three-tenths plus or minus, and you're going to hit the target, right? We're within a tenth, a third of an inch. So that's something um, that we're going to be working on and working with over the winter. And all that. Uh, for the others, wow, this thing was supposed to be arc. Oh, that's a text. That's Mark's texting me right there. I turned everything off. I'm like, why the hell is this thing going off? And it's Taylor texting me. All right, guys, I'm going to end this. That's pretty much all I have to say. Thank you for the 200s. Thank you for being part of the Everyday Sniper. Thanks for laughing alongside me with the intro music and playing around. And I'm just being that guy. It's just, it's all in good fun, man. I'm just being silly. But uh, peace out, man. And I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>